Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody, another episode of the podcast that sweeps the nation. It's One Man's Opinion, everybody. Welcome to it. Thank you for downloading it. Thank you for... Uh, commenting, favoriting, sharing, whatever it is. If you listen, if you don't, whatever. Appreciate each and every one of you guys. Uh, just outstanding feedback that you've been providing, and we appreciate it. Want to get to as many topics, as many episodes as possible. This is episode 58 here as we uh, are right in the middle of the uh, right in the middle of the uh, NFL offseason. We're right in the middle of NCAA tournament. We're right in the middle, right before the fantasy baseball season gets going, or at least the official regular season of Major League Baseball. So we got a lot of sports to talk about. I feel like the NCAA tournament pod, but me and Ted last week was a, a good one. Departure. You guys don't hear us talk college sports very often. Also some St. Patrick's Day uh, uh, craziness with me and Ted as well. So hopefully you enjoyed that one. Um, with baseball season on the horizon, I'm going to be talking a lot of baseball, some fantasy baseball, some betting on baseball, daily fantasy baseball, a ton of that in the episodes ahead. Also, we got a lot of NFL draft coverage, NFL free agency that's winding down as well. So with that, I wanted today, I am solo on the show. By the way, I am Jeff Manns, if you just stumbled upon it. The one man's opinion, yes, it is uh, tongue-in-cheek. It is indeed my last name. For those of you who saw my vaccination report thing and said, I didn't know that was your real name. Yes, it's my real name. Crying out loud. I don't doing this for 15 years. Damn right. It's my real name. Um, and uh, so that that's the podcast. You could find my work at fantasyguru.com. 2020 fantasy baseball draft guide is available for you there. We've got the NFL offseason. The I just updated all the fantasy football rankings and projections for the year as well. We've got a ton, absolute ton out there as far as uh, NFL free agent scouting profiles. Um, we've got NFL draft coverage, our rankings for that, all of that good stuff. Team needs in there as well. So a fantasy guru is the place to go. EliteFantasy.com for all things daily fantasy sports. Where are my DFS baseball players at? Now, it's been two years now since 2019 for me. I played DFS, but I didn't do much content. Just a little bit, a couple live streams, a couple articles early last baseball season. That was it. I focused mostly on football, but I'm very anxious to get after it. So uh, we'll do that. EliteFantasy.com is where to find that. Daily cash game breakdowns, DFS MLB core fours, chats, live streams, podcasts, projections, optimizer, uh, cheat sheets, GPP breakdowns, lineup coaching every single day. Early bird pricing is available. EliteFantasy.com. Go there. Check it out. The prices will never be lower. EliteSportsBetting.com for all things Betting on sports, legalized sports, betting, everybody, NCAA tournament, Sweet 16. I'm doing all right. Did well betting. First two days, good. Second second round was just destruction for me as well. So uh, above board overall, but, you know, I didn't get – I didn't hit that 
second round stretch that you like to hit to propel yourself to win some bracket pools. That's for sure. Anyway, today is a very important topic. It's something I want to discuss and it's why I'm, I'm getting away from sports a little bit on today's episode because we are, you know, when you guys will listen to this, it's sort of leading into the weekend of NCAA baseball season hasn't started yet. NFL free agency has died down. I wanted to talk about something that's majorly impactful to me. And it's one of the hardest topics to discuss something I don't talk about at all. Not my personal life, not my private life, not my public life. I just don't talk about it. And I think I probably should. So I'm challenging myself. That topic is cancer. For those who, of you that don't know, maybe you found my work uh, last year, a couple of years ago, or just, you know, you don't keep track of what your fantasy analyst goes through in life. I, I, I did suffer from intestinal cancer back in 2017. I call my, classify myself as a cancer survivor. Um, cancer has been a part of my life since I was 13 years old and actually 12 years old, uh, going on 13. And uh, not just through me, but through my old man. Uh, I have a podcast. If you're new to the podcast, I think it's episode eight, if I'm not mistaken, the one I talked about, uh, my dad and everything he went through, what he meant to me, and uh, and you know, sort of what I went through. I'll, I'll recap some of that in this episode, but you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. I'm going to talk about my journey what it was like going through it. Um, I personally don't feel I'm really through it. When I say survivor, I kind of feel like it's an everyday process because I will never again live my life without fear. I, I envy those of you that do. I really do. I'm so jealous. I am jealous of the younger me. I'm jealous of um, those who haven't been through something, whatever it is, just it's a fear. And when you hear those words and you have to go to oncologists and you get scans and all the shit that I went through, you know, there's never a day, never, like not ever, where you don't think, what did I, if I eat this, if I live here, if I move here, if I don't move here, if I do this, if I don't do that, there's never a moment that you think, well, will it come back? Is it spreading? Is it, you know, you never, ever feel that way. And I, I know this profoundly, not just because of my ordeal, but mostly because my old man, my dad, who passed away in 1999 about it. So um, I'm going to get into that. I, I do want to start the show off real quick. N not about me necessarily. And by the way, this episode isn't, I hope that I come off properly and I don't, I'm going to talk about my journey and my story but when I went through it, a lot of you, a lot of the elite mafia, a lot of our people that listen on Sirius XM, uh, subscribe, fantasy guru, elite fantasy, elite sports betting, a lot of you uh, that are fellow survivors that have got through it or you know, people who, who lost a, a relative because of it or have somebody or had somebody going through chemotherapy or radiation or surgery or whatever it is, um, you, you guys reached out to me and quite honestly, this episode is for all of you. You know who you are. Uh, there's a, uh, I have a DM group um, that for four years now we've been DMing. There's a shout out to all my people, Ronnie and Cindy and Laura and all the folks that are in the DM group. Um, I probably shouldn't give away names because this is not about 
I don't want to publicize this stuff. I just want to talk about the journey. I want to talk about going through stuff. And hopefully all of you, whether you've been touched and hit by cancer yourself or somebody else or know of somebody, a coworker, or friend or relative or whatever, it maybe it's not. Maybe you've never encountered it and that's great, but I'm sure you've been through some, some sort of tragedy. And I was going to talk about tragedies. Um, there's been two tragedies that have affected I guess it's affected me, but people uh, affected people that I care deeply about over the last couple of weeks. And that's sort of one of the reasoning. I think it's time just feels like the time for me to get into this now. And well, the first tragedy I want to talk about uh, a very, very good friend of mine, one of our uh, great people that um, I work with and we work with at the uh, Elite Sports Network. His name is Rob Povia. You guys may know uh, of Rob. He does amazing work in our fantasy guru, fantasy baseball section. But he's also behind the scenes. He does editing and podcasting and he does broadcasting and he keeps things running. And he, he's just the guy who does everything for all of us, right, behind the scenes and doesn't want much attention, doesn't get nearly enough outward respect that he probably deserves all that. Well, Rob had a um, very serious tragedy with his family and he's given me the permission to talk about this. And Rob, if you're listening, I I deeply appreciate you doing that um, because want to help out, you know, that's, that's what we want to do. Elite Mafia is about a, being a family right that's what we are and we pick up each other when we're we're hurting well rob's uh brother-in-law um john went into emergency situation he had chest pains and some signs of possible heart attack and it turned out it was an aortic dissection and if you know you've heard people you know uh Povia, Rob, mentions John Ritter, Eight Simple Rules. While he was filming that show, John Ritter went from Three's Company. He he went through the same thing. It is just a a complete dissection of your aorta and internal bleeding is terrible and uh, very, very bad. It has has to rush into surgery and has a 20% success rate uh, roughly. And um, unfortunately for... John, in this case, uh, John Canella, he passed away. That's uh, our guy Rob's sister's husband. Um, 51, 56 years old, I believe. Uh, 56 years old is, is how old he was. Leaves behind three kids, college age, um, you know, one in college currently. And just, uh, and, and then, of course, Rob's lovely sister and family and it's just devastating things like this happen um they're devastating i mean there's not many other terms to to describe it it you feel alone you feel like the world is against you you feel like god's against you you feel like in you, know, you get mad at people that have done nothing wrong just because they are able to continue their lives while yours has been interrupted so vigorously. And so, you know, just, you know, massively uh, it's tragic and it's awful. And so it's heartbreaking. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's hard to talk about because I'm getting, uh, getting a little upset myself because, you know, 
we've all been through something like this. And the thing is within our organization at you know, elite sports and friends and, and all that um, it's important folks. It's important for all of us to pick each other up because we're all going to go through things, whether it's as sudden and tragic as Rob's brother-in-law here, or if it's, you know, something with, uh, you know, ourselves or a child, my cancer, which was a longer struggle that, you know, wasn't so sudden, but you know, that, that feeling of emptiness and aloneness is what I, I hope we as the elite mafia, those who listen to the podcast, those who uh, listen to me on Sirius XM radio, those who you know, follow my work in any capacity, uh, or if you're just a human being, you know, quite honestly, you could hate me and that's totally understandable. <laughs> I totally understand that. Um, nobody should have to feel this way. No family should have to feel this way. No children should have to feel that their father was taken from them so suddenly. What we can do as people is just let them know we're there for them. And for some of us, maybe it, there's a financial opportunity that you know we could help you know help the i don't i'm not supposed to really go into it but we're talking about a, a no life insurance situation you know three kids still that are dependents and one in college and i mean it, it's a massive hole um and i apologize to rob if i'm saying too much because i, I want to tiptoe on the right things here but if you can make a financial contribution we set up a gofundme uh, I share that at Jeff underscore mans. If you can give a dollar or $5 or $3, anything, you know, price of a coffee in the morning or something uh, really would make a difference. If you can't, that's understandable. These are rough times for everybody. No doubt about it. We're in a pandemic still. And a lot of you are out of work, whatever. It's, if you could, you know, it, it, you're, re, you're listening to this podcast, send some positive vibes, right? Just, just send it a good note at Rob underscore Povia, P-O-V-I-A. Let them know that, they are not alone. Let them know that the, they're not forgotten, that John and his family are not forgotten. Now, we're not just moving on. The world has asked to move on. It's one of those unfortunate things, but that's what we're about. That's what the Elite Mafia is about. It's been about since the beginning. I really, really hope that uh, we can raise a little bit of money and, and at least send all the good thoughts that we can to Rob and his family during this time, um, let them know they're not alone. We're with them in spirit and thought any possible way that we can be. Okay. So um, there, there you go. I'll say, uh, I'll leave it at that. Again, if you can make a financial contribution, I pinned it to the top of my Twitter feed at Jeff underscore man's send positive thoughts and vibes. We'll share everything we can with Rob and uh, his sister and the kids, uh, you know, as soon as we possibly can. So we'll get that going uh, as well. So I mentioned two tragedies. Uh, my, uh, I think I alluded to this maybe in a previous podcast, but recently my daughter, one of her friends, not the closest of friends, somebody she was in a class with and, and everything, 15-year-old um, girl, was uh, killed in an auto accident on her way to school. Um, guy went through a red light. Her brother was driving her to school. Her brother was also in high school and uh, suffered a brain injury and she unfortunately did not make it. I, I mean, geez, what a, what a downer, huh? I mean, Jesus Christ, I, I'm burying this fucking show right now. But 
there's a saying I like to, to remind myself of that life is so very fragile and it can be taken from us at any time. And it really is. It just, it, it it's a moment. Um, the parents I had an opportunity to talk to them and um, we did some fundraising for them as well. Uh, the mom told me six minutes. It took six minutes from her to say goodbye to her kids that morning, six minutes. She was on the phone saying, you've been, your son and daughter have been in car accident and you need to get to the hospital immediately. Six minutes for your life to change. Um, Rob and his family, John Canella, who had some chest pain and all of a sudden, you know, signs of cardiac arrest, go to the hospital and that's, that's it. Right. I mean, it, it changes, it goes fast, so fast and can be so tragic and so just uh, like a, like a blanket over you. And our heart goes out. The entire elite mafia goes out to everybody lost here in this situation, Rob's family. I'm not going to mention the name of my daughter friend. That's inappropriate in my opinion at this point, but just hug your kids. You know, I work with a uh, shout out to a guy. I worked with a fancy alarm, Rick Wolf. And uh, he used to tell me all the time. He still does it. Every time Rick and I talk, hug him tight. He signs his emails with it. Um, another guy knows a thing or two about tragedy in his life. And uh, it's something I've adopted myself. Just hug him tight. Just, you never know, man. You never know when it's going to happen. And that kind of leads into the topic I'll talk about today. I hope you guys, I hope this is not too depressing. You know, you guys turned off the show already. Like, ah, oh, fuck this, man. So I talk more about you getting drunk and sleeping in bank lobbies. That's, that's more fun than, uh, than all this downer shit. Well, you're probably right. Um, let's talk about, I want to talk about, we'll talk about the C word cancer. And so I was 12. Right. I was 12 when, um, you know, I got the word. I came home. I said this on episode eight back in season one, my old man, that episode. And I, 12 years old, got off the bus to school. I came home. I had known my dad was like, he wasn't sick. He just had his fucking legs swelled up. It was like all red. And it was a swollen leg. And we used to make fun of him because it looked, it just became like massive red and swollen, right? Huge ass leg. And we didn't know what the deal was and he never you know old man he fought in korea the whole thing he, he didn't he wasn't going to the doctor or anything else well eventually i had to go to the emergency room because he, he literally could not move his leg could not walk and he worked every step of the way well you know that happened they went in the day i went to school they went to the hospital and while i was at school that day which uh, was in what eighth grade the whole where was i yeah i, was, I must have been 13 yeah, I was 13. Yeah, I was 13. I, I misspoke earlier. I was 13. Um, I know it was in eighth grade because we had uh, moved to a different side of town at this point. And uh, I, I came home. My whole life had changed while I was at school. And, you know, I thought, oh, my dad, what the fuck he do? He hurt his leg or it's a pinched nerve. You know, we didn't know anything. We went years without medical insurance in the man's household. So we didn't fucking know any of this shit. Well, Long story short, it, it turned out it was uh, it was cancer, it was lymphoma, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And you know, I got home and I, I walked in the door to my brother, oldest brother who lived with us at the time, 
my mother, my sister who was visiting there and fighting. I mean, fucking screaming and yelling. And they were like fighting each other, talking shit about each other, like just, you know, haymakers. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Not that unusual for my family, let's be honest. But at the same time, you know, kind of surprising. Like, what's going on? My dad was just sitting there quiet, just not saying anything. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. Well, I, I just happened to ask my dad. I'm like, all right, how did how the hospital go? What'd you do? And that's when like everybody was quiet, and they said, "Well, turns out it's cancer." And you're and I'm like, at that point, I, cancer couldn't have been the furthest thing. I had no idea. I had never dealt with it. My family had never dealt with it. There was never a mention of it. I, I don't even know at that point. I don't remember if I knew what cancer was. Quite honestly, like I, maybe I learned about it somewhere in school, but. I just did not, like, it was, what does that mean? Like, cancer was death. That's all I could think. I was like, what? Dad, dad's a dying. He's right here. My dad's big motherfucker, you know, 6'2", 240 pounds, like a rock. Like, you know, fought in the wars, built houses. Like, my dad is a big motherfucker. Like, somebody that you just didn't, nobody stepped to him. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, and I'm like, you know, I didn't understand. So I'm trying to get explanations. And, and all that. Oh, he's going to be fine. Just got to go for treatments and all that kind of stuff. And uh, okay, well, that, you know, everybody's really changed. My entire family, that's the fighting in everything. My brothers, my sisters, my mom, every, my dad, even my, because my dad was an alcoholic. I talked about that, like major alcoholic, uh, you know, chain smoker, not chain smoker, but smoked like a pack and a half a day, pack a day probably. And and then drank a ton too, and uh, wasn't a good drunk either. Would get violent at times, or you know, little little violent at times. I guess you know, never hit my mom or nothing, but uh, wasn't afraid to go after us if we pissed him off. That's for sure. Um, but you know, that was the, that was it. My dad at that point was off the booze, and I didn't know it at the time. That was 1991, where that was happening, and he would live another eight years with the cancer so in the whole time those eight years he battled lymphoma the entire time he ended up getting a colon cancer he ended up getting a uh what throat cancer it's like a, a lesion on his epiglottis so he had three different types of cancer through those eight years and i'd mentioned on that previous podcast i didn't know my dad at all up until he got cancer. Like I didn't really know him. I knew of him. I knew I was scared shitless of him. I knew not to cross him. I knew, you know, hard worker, all that shit, but I, you know, didn't have a relationship with him in any capacity. Well, again, the night before he was drunk uh, or, you know, I don't know if drunk he was drinking. And, uh, but then when I got home from school, like I said, my whole life changed. He never drank again. He would have Odules, those non-alcoholic beers, and he even got sick of those after a while. Um, stopped smoking as well. It just And he transformed into just this other person. Warm, kind, like incredibly kind, and like impossibly kind and caring and, you know, would call my sisters. Like he never fucking called my sister. Like stuff that never happened. He would talk to me, me and him. I'd come down the stairs and he, he was always a night owl as I was. And I'd sit on the chair of the couch. He'd be in his chair and we'd just talk, um, you know, about whatever, mostly you know, movies or TV or sports, um, family stuff. If there was an issue going on there or whatever. 
But, you know, what I didn't realize at the time is I, I wound up, um, he did real well in his treatment, went into remission. Uh, I think he was in remission for a period of almost two years at a certain point. And then it came back to lymphoma. He kept having to go back and came back and it came back and it came back and they kept fighting it off. He had a doctor, uh, Dr. Barhamid, um, one of the better oncologists in like, uh, you know, where we had to drive to like Naperville, Illinois. Naperville's a massive town now, wasn't as big in the 90s, but it was growing. And um, that whole thing, we were you know, pretty far away. 45 minutes away but it was one of the better oncologists and uh, somebody we just liked a, a great deal and somebody who became really close to our family like dr barhamid was just, he was a member of our family for a, a good period of time um told my dad you know drinking stop drinking stop smoking and was very direct and very serious with him about it very serious to my mom very serious to us like he didn't pull any any bullshit there was no like, oh, maybe if, no, do this or that's it. And he, he treated my dad very well. Well, when the cancer was coming back, I would end up going, I would end up driving my dad. I, I drove, uh, there was a period where I like basically lied to everybody about my age. I always said I was older because I was driving my dad at 14 by 14, I was driving him to and from uh, chemotherapy apport appointments. And, um, you know, I, was, I would sit, sit, we'd go to Edward or uh, Edwards Hospital, I think is the name of it. Back in those days, the, the Naperville Hospital, whatever that was. And I'd sit in the chemotherapy ward and, you know, and my dad would go in there. And the thing that struck me about that was how close everybody was. They knew each other's names, the patients, the nurses were so kind and nice and you know, would get cookies and, you know, like they'd make cookies and stuff for the patients and you'd sit up and you'd put a needle in you and, you know, bag up there of your treatment. Sometimes you have one bag, sometimes you have two bags and you just sat there and talked or watched TV or whatever you did. And that became a part of my life. And I feel like I grew up there. You know, I feel like that's where, like I saw these people struggling and quite a few times, friends like my it became a big part of my dad's life we'd sit at dinner or you know talks and with family and he'd mention these names uh barbara and, and uh um uh, phil phil barbara and um some other that we were like who the fuck are what are you fucking talking about old man you're going crazy on us no no it was people in his uh, chemo and unfortunately some would get sick, some would pass away. And it was devastating. We, I learned empathy in those rooms. I learned how to put myself in those situations because I was kind of forced into it. I was just the son of somebody going through it. But my dad was devastated. When one of his friends or somebody else hurt, he hurt, right? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, and I learned, I, I sat there and I, I mean, by the way, like my dad became, I'm a big cry baby. I cry a good amount of times. Things touch me in a certain way or I get sad or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Fuck all of you. I'm glad if you don't, I hope you don't. That's wonderful. But uh, I do. And it's, I think it comes from my old man because my old man never did, never fuck cried. And then 
after he got sober and went through this chemo, he would, you know, he'd feel impacted by somebody, one of his friends passing away or um, when sometimes when my sisters would fight, there were times at the house, he'd just be like in tears or so, you know what I mean? It was a weird transition. You know, he's the toughest dude, the, the brutally honest dude, the mean motherfucking asshole for so long, for 12 years of my life. And then became this like emotional caring dude. And it was something else. Um, but yeah, I would go into uh, sit in those chemotherapy sessions with him and, um, I'll never forget. I'll, I'll remember the first chemotherapy session I ever sat or I didn't sit with him at this one. I was a little young. This is when he first got, I was 12 years old. Um, but I remember him coming home and I remember what that chemo did to his body. He got so sick. I mean, he, we ended up having every blanket in the house. This was summer. He got it like August or September. So it wasn't cold outside, but the chemo just disintegrated him so much. That first treatment that, uh, or maybe it was a second treatment, actually. First treatment, I think, didn't go, but whatever it was, he, he piled probably 30 blankets and coats and everything else on him, and he couldn't stop shaking. And then he started throwing up, and he started uh, losing his bowels. and every, it, it was one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. And me, my mom, my brothers both sat there, and we, we were just trying to do something. We nothing to do. And as somebody who's now been through it himself, like I get it. And I didn't go through anything like him. Like I had very few treatments, but the treatments are so bad. And they change you so much that you're never the same person. Just never are. I'll never be the same person. I don't think at least. Um, Anyway, so for eight years or seven years, I went through this with my dad and he was up, there's ups and there's downs and ups and downs. And then it came back really bad uh, right after high school for me. So like 1996 ish, it came back and that led to the other types of cancer. And at that point we started realizing that this is not going to end well, this is going to be real. And Dr. Barhamid was always very, very upfront and forward with us. And, very, you know, told us what we needed to do, what we can do to help. He would take me aside or my mom aside at times. At this point, I was uh, one of the primary people. At least I thought I, my dad played a little trick on us. I think he, you know, I always, I had to bring him to a lot of chemotherapy sessions and he, I brought him to a lot of chemo sessions, but you know, through the years we realized so did my sisters and so did my brother and so did my then girlfriend who became my wife at the time, like we all took him and he would do the same thing. He'd always want to go get breakfast. There was a place on uh, Ogden Avenue that he would have to stop. We'd get breakfast. Fucking three o'clock in the afternoon. He, he wanted to get breakfast, you know, and uh, he'd sit there and sometimes he was too sick to even eat. And, you know, he would act like he was so hungry and then we'd get there and he wouldn't want to eat. So we just ate, but he just wanted to sit there and talk to you. And he wanted to, you know, converse and, and just discuss things. And, and uh, yeah, it, it was, it changed my life. It changed who I ultimately became. It, it's, I have a tough relationship with cancer um, because on one hand, you know, it took my dad from me at a very early age and where I was not ready, I, by 
for those who don't know, my oldest brother is 19 years older than me. My other brother is severely disabled. Um, I became the man of the house when he passed away and I wasn't ready. And I did a pretty shitty job with my mom after that. I was moving out. I was getting married the next year. You know, I had plans and I kind of went on those plans and left my mom. I didn't realize how it would affect my mom. I'll do another podcast talking about my mother at some point. Again, we'll get back to sports. Don't worry. I know this is going down dark holes and everything, but um, whether you, you know, you've been, chances are you guys have been affected by this in one way, shape or form too. So maybe you could, hopefully you could see that you're not alone and that, you know, I've been through this kind of shit and um, you know, we come out on the other side and, and how to deal with it. Uh, I'll get into that here in a minute as well. So, um, but yeah, he, he isolated us in these situations. And I remember, uh, you know, something he said to me one time, he, he talked about family and he mentioned, you know, he had five uh, sons and daughters, five kids, uh, him and my mom. And he just mentioned how important everybody was and, and all that kind of stuff. And he'd always make hints at me that I had to take care of my family. I'd take care of your sisters, take care of your brother. I was the youngest, by the way. Like, I'm like 15, 16 years old. And, you know, he's telling me this. And years later, I realized what he meant. Like, you know, just something was weird. Something, I, I don't know what it was, but he saw something in me. At least that's the way I take it that. I was going to be able to, to help out, you know, whatever come with may. And sure enough, you know, he, my mom got very sick and dealt with a long illness and passed away in 2011. Um, he's probably, my grandma was living with us at the time too. She passed away a month later. So this was like devastating stuff. But my dad talked about family and he says, do you, and he put never forced me, never did it. He asked me the question and I try to do that. If you ever notice my interview style on Sirius XM, and you'll notice that a lot of it comes from the way my dad would shape a question that he never made it about. He never, he never led the answer. He didn't tell me, he didn't ask the way what he wanted to hear, even though I think looking back, he wanted to hear a question. He asked me about family. Do you, uh, you know, just real subtly, like, do you think you'll uh, ever get married? And, you know, I have you're going to get married. You think you'll get married? Is that something you're, you know, you think you're I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just driving and whatever. He's like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, and he's like, Lisa's the one I could re realize it. That's my wife. Um, yeah, I, I think so. And at that point I knew she was the one I really did. Um, no, there was never a question in my mind at that. Never. Uh, I'll talk about that someday too, but I, I knew I was going to marry my wife while we met in high school. Like I knew it. One party we went to, I knew it. First time I saw her, just knew it. Absolutely positive. It's one of those weird stories. Um, and it wasn't easy because she didn't want anything to do with me, of course. Why would she? But I grew on her just like I grew on you guys downloading this podcast, listening to a fucking cancer podcast. Do you guys ever think in your life you would be listening to Jeff Mann's drone out of a fucking cancer? Like, <laughs> this has got to be nut low for some of you. Um, but anyway, but the way my dad shapes the question, do you think you're interested in that? That's something. Yeah. Oh, do you think Lisa's the one? Yeah, yeah. Do you think, uh, he goes, oh, what about kids? He goes, you're going to have kids. You guys going to, you, know, you guys even thinking about that? I mean, you know, he's just so, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. I definitely want a kid and all that stuff. And 
just indirectly. And then, you know, he got into, uh, it's great. And, oh, you know, yeah, you'll have lots of fun with them. I think you'll be a good dad and all this stuff. I'm like 16. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know that shit yet. You know, I don't really know. But, um, you know, and then he mentioned having a son. He's like, you think you have a son? Oh, okay. He's like, yeah. He goes, man, my dad, you know, only had, had two girls and a boy and I'm the last one to pass on the name. It's kind of weird. And, just, you know, he didn't say it, but what he was really telling me is that my brother didn't have any kids. My oldest, my, uh, my oldest brother, my second oldest brother, um, has never got married, never had kids either, uh, as well. And by that time, I, I think my dad realized I was the last hope if, you know, pass on the lineage, I guess is what, you know, which was something that was important to him. His dad died suddenly. I talked about that in the podcast while my dad was away at war. So he, he asked these questions in a way that made me think about them. Yeah. An answer that I didn't really know. I didn't really think of at the time, but uh, you know, he hadn't a, a directive, but he left it sort of just out there. Let me, you know, I kind of knew it was a, why are we talking about this dad? We don't talk about that shit, but he put it out there. I thought, you know, it, it's the way to do it. You know, it's an interview technique really that I think is very effective. You know, let, let's push somebody into a conversation they don't even know they're having. You know, talk about something there. If you ask them, are you'd be comfortable talking about this? They'd say, fuck no, hell no. But, we're talking about it because we're losing, we're, we're tiptoeing up to it. Like that's a very effective way of interviewing. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I learned a lot from him and I dealt with it and my family dealt with it. He had to force into retirement. And again, I was going to college at this time. And then by that time I didn't have, you know, we didn't have money for college. I didn't have anything. So I'd have to go community college. And then I realized, oh shit, we're poor. I've told that story before. I went and filled out the, the papers like, all right, you know, maybe I'll get a scholarship or something. And I, you know, family income at that point is like $30,000 in 1996 and uh, household income. They're like, oh, you're destitute. You're poor. I'm like, what? Fuck you talking. Cause we used to be way poorer back in the day. We were, Mansas were riding high back in those days. Nope, you're poor. Here's a Pell Grant. Oh, shit. Okay, well, take that. And, you know, you work your way through, take classes at community college for a while, then go to Roosevelt University and, and all that and so on and so forth. Um, my dad passes away in, in 99. He had a surgery after colon cancer. And I've told that story. We're in the hospital room. He's fine. Everything's great. You know, post-surgery, they got a majority of the cancer that was in the colon. At that point, his lymphoma had subsided. So I was like, okay, you know, this point we kind of knew we're just trying to squeeze out as long as we can, a couple more years. He was still having to deal with the throat cancer, even though that wasn't that wasn't bad at the yet, right? It was just a very, very small situation. That's why they could have the surgery on him. And uh, we got a call that night, overnight. My mom got the call. I was living with them at the time and said he had he had gotten sick overnight. He had you know, threw, thrown up and aspirated and um, essentially he was fighting an uphill battle. He was in ICU for the next three months or two months until November 4th. And he died in uh, two days after his hero, Walter Payton uh, passed away. And you know, that there's, 
those stories of hanging out, living in an ICU, living in a waiting room for over a month. We would sleep there. My whole family would sleep there, sleep in our cars, sleep on couches around the hospital. I mean, that's, we did not leave his bedside at all. We did not leave. And my dad was the anchor of the family, even though my mom did most of the work and the interactions for years and years. My dad was AWOL because he was either working or drunk or both. And, uh, but we realized like he tied us all together in his own way. And his, the loss of him was just something my family's never gotten over. We're never going to get over that. You just don't, you know, and it took me a long time to get over it. And uh, I'm not over it. It's, I wrote letters to my dad. I wrote letters for shit over 20 years now. I still write letters. I write him letters all the time. I have them saved. Uh, um, you know, I'm thinking someday maybe we'll, we'll put it out there to people. Um, there's hundreds of different letters of things that I've gone through through the birth of my kids and you know career changes and all that kind of shit. Um, but the first one I remember was I said fuck cancer because I blame cancer for it. I blamed everything and. The truth, however, I've learned that it brought me closer to him than I ever probably would have because I don't think he would have stopped drinking. I don't think he would have stopped smoking. It was just going to get worse, you know, and then until something happened. In a lot of ways, I'm thankful for those years I got with him because they're the closest years ever. And who the fuck knows where I would have been? I wouldn't be here talking to any of you, that's for sure. Nor would you want me to. I'd probably be an asshole. And that kind of leads me into my battle. Um, my battle in 2017, uh, I had no idea, by the way, at this point. So I had uh, worked in the industry for at this point, what, 12 years. And well, in 2017, I made a huge move, so another topic for another day. But I decided to leave a company that I founded in Fantasy Alarm and uh, move and join Tommy G and Kevin Adams here at, at uh, Guru Elite at that point. A great opportunity to be CEO, run the company, and you know all that great stuff. And I did that, made that jump in 2017, and everything was going pretty well. <laughs> it was wild, and we've talked about that many times in different shows. Uh, and that summer, though, I was putting together a draft guide. I was doing um, daily fantasy baseball content, uh, and I would at that point I was doing two articles. Yeah, two shows and then had every business meeting as well. I was working as many hours as a person could work. I mean, literally sleeping two hours a day and probably working like what, 150 hours a week, somewhere in that vicinity. And that's the God's honest truth to got to the point that I just was, I got so run down football season started. And I remember it's the second week of the season, 2017. I, all day long. I got up in the morning. I had to do the early show on Sirius XM. I was in pain all day. Couldn't catch my breath. Couldn't catch my breath. Pain on the left side. Pain on the left side to the point that I'm like, am I having a heart attack? Like, am I really a fucking heart attack? Like, I just turned 40 years old. Like, am I, am, is this really like, wow, 
because I, I was in pretty good health. I was always in good shape. I, I make fun of myself for gaining weight and things now, but I, I was always in good shape. I used to exercise at night before it was cool. I used to do push-ups and sit-ups every night, 100 of each, just because I couldn't sleep. So I would just exercise. And I always played sports and everything else. I was one of the people that I now hate where I just was inherently thin and always in shape and could do anything physically. Like that was my jam. Uh, now, not so much. Now I'm a broken piece of shit. <laughs> I really am. Felt bad that day. Sat through a whole day of football, charted everything, did everything, made it through and was like sweaty. And just like, I, I was as sick as you can get. Went downstairs to my wife and said, something is wrong. I'm I'm in a bad spot. I'm sick. Sometimes maybe having a heart attack. I walked around and all of this. And, um, you know, it turned out said, all right, we'll go out to, uh, I'm going to go to the hospital, local hospital, see what's going on. I also just moved to Arizona, by the way. So I moved away from all my family and friends, uh, across the entire country, started a new career, all this going on. And uh, went to the hospital and they said, first, you know, they start running tests, taking blood. They're like, all right, how long have you been anemic? I'm like, nope, no idea what you're talking about. Anemia, you have no iron in your blood. No fucking idea. Okay, cool. Um, how long have you had pneumonia? You've double pneumonia. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, how long have you had this mass in your stomach? What? What are you talking about? I don't know what, you, what you're speaking of. All these things that were wrong. I was in a terrible spot. The mass. So, you know, we're trying to figure out. I had a cat. I had CAT scans and they fed me MRIs. I was in every machine doing everything. They admitted me to the hospital. I couldn't leave. Um, I was not allowed to leave. And I was on a, an not an intensive care, but a, a floor where there only could have two vi visitors at a time, like a, serious care floor whatever um and that i'll never forget that there's morning it was the tuesday so that was a sunday on tuesday morning come in uh, my wife had, had come in as well or my wife wasn't there yet they came in and said okay here's your day you would wake up and you've got this and this to do you, they want me breathing in a machine and all this stuff and they said and uh, your oncologist is going to come in now uh, again I'm very familiar with that term, oncologist. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, Dr. So-and-so, he's your oncologist. He's going to be, uh, he's going to come and take you through it. And they said it matter-of-factly. Nobody, no other doctor had told me anything. My wife got in. I told her, uh, evidently, I have an oncologist. And said, well, that's, and then sure enough, he shows up while she was there. He starts talking to us. And I don't think I've ever told this story anywhere ever even to maybe maybe ted knows i don't think even my other good friends know but they essentially said yeah this is going to be this kind of mass this is a mass in your intestine this is a highly highly uh malignant tumor it's likely uh we'll likely find this in your colon we'll likely find this in your brain and we are going to try to, we'd like to cut as much of this out, maybe have to go and, and cut it out in other places too. You'll need extensive treatment, but this spreads very fast. And, you know, we're hoping to keep you comfortable through Christmas, through the holiday. That was 
September, mid-September, it was a holy shit moment. No, I, I mean, I had no idea, no idea. And I was just, uh, you know, we were devastated. My kids were all, you know, very young. I had a seven-year-old son at that time and dot one daughter in high school, just started high school, another in junior high. And I mean, here we go. Right. And aggressive form of cancer. How the fuck did this happen? You know, how do I not know this? I, I've had checkups. I actually had had colonoscopies. How did they miss this? Huh? It was just devastating. And uh, so I went in for more scans and more checkups and every, this is why I get my patient approach from because went through one scan that had to come back. I was in a hospital. I was away from my family. They weren't all allowed to come in at one time. My wife was there, but I didn't see anybody. I saw my kids once while I was in the hospital for almost a month. And, um, or I think I was in for three weeks. Yeah. Cause I started writing cash game articles again for football in the hospital. Um, and they, one kid, one scan came back and they're like, huh? Well, nothing wrong with your brain. It's all good. Very good. This Oh, okay. Oh, colonoscopy. Here you go. Have another one Went through that. Huh? That seems okay. That's like, this is good news. This is good news. It got to the point where they said, okay, well, we're going to have to, we'll, we'll be able to, you know, likely be in your liver too. That's another one. I had to go through that, which was painful as fuck. Um, a whole biopsy because there was something there, but there turned out that was totally fine. And, uh, they said, all right, well, we'll cut this thing out and see how you recover from that. So they cut out the, uh, um, the sarcoma from my intestine. And, uh, you know, and that was, I recovered from that while in the hospital. They said, well, you can go home and, you know, you'll need treatment, follow treatment. I said, okay. At this point, I didn't tell, I didn't really say much to anybody. Um, not because I don't know why. I don't know. I guess I get embarrassed. Um, I get embarrassed or so I don't know. I don't know, but I was hurting. I was hurting in a big, big way. And I really, it stuck with me that I was not going to have long. That's the way I felt like it was not. And through those next few weeks and that whole ordeal, and I would have to go every week to the oncologist and the, the doctor, the cancer center of Phoenix, um, I'd have to drive all the way up there and have my treatments and all that stuff. And everything kept coming back positive and did everything the doctor said. I still, you know, the, the treatment furthered my anemia. So I had to put on medication that I'm still on to this day. Um, but when I was in that, those situations, I, I realized like it, it really just step by step, a baby step. And I'll tell you, we want to get ahead of ourselves. It's why I, I laugh. You see all this top shot shit and NFT stuff and all this stuff. It, it's not, that I don't like it. It's not that I don't understand it. It's not that I don't appreciate it. Not that it's not the future. It's, I think sometime we have a weird mix in our culture where some people live so much for today and forget about tomorrow. And the other half forgets completely about today and just lives for tomorrow. I was a plan. I'm still a notorious planner, but what this, my, uh, my intestinal cancer taught me to, appreciate the now and be okay take a step forward in a day it's a good day it's a fucking great day and by the way what meant the world to me is at that point i'd moved away from my family and um 
you know, my family had never really recovered from my dad passing away in 99. We had further fights and arguments by the time my mom passed away in 2011 to the point that like my sisters lived in Illinois, my brother lived in North Carolina. Uh, I was caretaker of my uh, other uh, older brother um, who lives right by me here in Arizona. So he moved to Arizona with me so I could take care of him as my mom and dad had uh, wished for him uh, and me. And um, so, you know, we were not together, but when I got sick and I I was going through that and I, I started seeing through my dad's eyes a lot, I started seeing who was there for me, who cared, who didn't care. What was I, my existence to people, and to my surprise, I was my sisters. My sisters were flew in and were here in my home every day for two weeks straight. And I couldn't do anything. I could barely sit upright. Right? I was like, I could sit up for a couple hours and then I'd go to, um, still writing cash game articles. I want that documented. I missed two weeks of cash game articles in 2017. You can go back and look at our site. It's still there. And I still wrote them. I, I stopped doing the live streams and everything else. Um, I guess, uh, I guess I'll say it. And again, I I'm trying not, I don't want to be mean or rude, but, um, people, certain people I worked with never called, never sent a message, nothing. All of you, so many of you, listeners on SiriusXM, listeners or subscribers and stuff, uh, absolutely bombarded on Facebook and Twitter at that time, just overloaded with well wishes and, hey, you know, hang out. I only made one real announcement, so it's kind of a word of mouth thing. And uh, and, and it changed my perception there as well. I, I think going through that changed my mentality because, you know, I was as big an egomaniac as anybody. Maybe I still am. Um, when it comes to, you know, the DFS industry and the fantasy industry and uh, all that shit. But I, I realize like none of this shit matters. My screenshots don't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. My, you know, these people that begged me to come work for them and not all of them, by the way, there's a couple. I'm not, I'm just not going to name names, just not right to do so. Some people cared for me. I got messages. I got People calling, you know, Ted Schuster, Ray Flowers, you know, guys that called to check up. How are you doing? Can we do anything? Stop doing that. Do this. Called, checked in, you know, um, with my wife. And Ted's family reached out to my family. It was always in touch. And that's, you know, that's friendship. That's that's a lifelong friend there. That's That's what matters. And again, I had a lot more respect or shown um people i worked by the way people i worked with the fancy alarm reached out um were very very kind and you know reached out to my family that they knew and, and all that stuff and that's like al williams and rick wolf and guys like that so um and others didn't and i realized okay at that point i realized it's just not really you know i, I am just they're using me they're using me to step on to get to their next level. And that's fine. You know, I realize that's the, the case now, but, um, you know, all right. If that's the case and that's the case, then that's what this is, you know? So um, I battled and every day was a, uh, uh, every day was a struggle every day, you know, 
got over it. And I've, I've had such issues like my anemia. I had an, an anemic breakdown in August of last year. You guys that listen on Sirius XM may have seen, there's one day that I sounded like I had a stroke and nobody could understand what I was saying for like a four minute period. And Ray Flowers had to jump on and he did um, it was because I had a crash with my anemia. So although I just had a ton of health work done now, I got, so I, I'm going through the cancer, the treatments, and I went through about a month of treatment. And then they just follow up scan, follow up scan, follow up scan, follow up scan, follow up scan. And everything just keeps coming back right, keeps coming back right, keeps coming back right. And, you know, I'm on the right track, started eating better, getting a little bit more rest, even though I'm still only sleep a max about four or five hours a day at the max. Um, but it's better. You know what I mean? And that's, that's sort of what I hope people get from this too, besides just a total downer and a bummer of a podcast is that I hope you guys realize that you don't have to make the big leaps all the time. Life isn't about the big leaps. It's about the journey. It's about taking those steps, baby steps. Sometimes the step is backwards and then you pivot around. It's like Frogger, right? You just take a step to the side and then, then move up, take a step to the side and then advance. And I, I've done that. I've done it every day since that, that 2017. You know, it was being able to sit upright at first and get out of bed and then walk around and walk around the backyard and then, hey, get in the car and then drive a little bit and, hey, uh, you know, uh, sit up and play board games with the family or um, video games with the family. Or, you know, we, we played a lot of Nintendo Wii at that time and PlayStation 4 at that time. And, you know, there's a way for, and we talk about this in my, our, our survivor group uh, all the time. We talk about those little moments because the treatment takes energy away from you. And I've, uh, I'm of a guy who always, always had boundless energy, even as a kid. And I suddenly found myself in a situation where I don't have as much. And I don't have as much now. I just don't have the energy I used to have. Cancer took that from me, right? It took it away. And it's not giving it back no amount of kale I could eat that's going to give that back to me. And that's perfectly okay, but there's ways. Talk to the, I talked to my family. It's like those conversations, my dad, he talked to us. He never talked to us before. You know, he and I would toss a football around every now and then very rarely, but you know, and that's it. But I learned that from him and dealing with him. So I did that with my kids. We sat up, we played video games. We played board games. We watched, we found TV shows and movies, things that, I didn't need to expound energy to do in order to spend time with them. Something we can do together that was engaging and, and fun enough for them that wasn't boring. And it wasn't just talking necessarily, but you know, those types of things. And all of you, no matter what, this is to folks with disabilities. This is the folks that are feeling sick, COVID, uh, all of you, th there are so many things that you can do. So many things. Again, we talk about it in our groups all the time. Hey, you know, playing the, the, uh, the, the video games, going out, just if all you can do is sit up, watch TV, try doing it outside or try doing it in a different room. Like get a big screen if you have the means or something, you know, whatever it is, try new shows. I don't like chick flicks. Try a chick flick because the whole group enjoys it. And, you know, you can be a part of that group. Uh, social media can be a great thing. It also could be a miserable thing. And for me, it really was a great thing. And I, I wonder about that sometimes if 
I went through another treatment. If something happened to me again, and I had to rely on you know social media, if something happened, would people be as kind as they were to me in four years ago, or would they just shit all over me and and tell me how sucky I am because of bad fantasy play or because I'm not in the cool crowd of DFS? And if you notice, like in 2017, I was still a very, very mainstream DFS fantasy personality. And if you notice, I've completely gone away from that. And that's by my own design. And and it's nothing, I'm not interested in being in that group anymore. That group didn't help me. They didn't say, as some couple people did. But majority of those people, they didn't give a shit. If I were to die, I don't think they would have really cared. And and they don't have to. They don't need to. They didn't need to care about me. But I have a choice, as all of you do, to be around the people that truly care about you. And I'll tell you guys, you know, again, this goes to your, those of you in the dating world and things like that. You think you want the hottest piece of ass you see. You want, you know, you oh, this chick's amazing, so hot. This guy's gorgeous or whatever, you know, for the ladies, whatever it is. No, you don't. That shit is irrelevant. You need somebody that's there for you when you're at your lowest, when you can barely keep your bodily functions in, when you can barely do that and they're still picking up the pieces and they're sitting with you in those hospital rooms and they're telling you, you know, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Those are the people you want in your life. You don't need, you're not going to have a hundred of them. Unfortunately, this world doesn't have that. There's like a five-person max almost for each of us. If you get three people, two people that truly care about you, your your husband or wife and your dog. Dogs are great. Dogs don't care. Dogs care about you. You know, my my dog when he could tell when I was not feeling well uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, he came just laid by me. He knew it. He knew I wasn't right, but he just laid by me. Just I'm just gonna be here. Oh no, you gonna pet me? You're gonna. I don't know. I'll take a giant shit on your lawn, but I hope we're still cool. And he didn't. And that's, that's what it's about, man. That gets people through the bad times. That's what helps us through. Right. That it's being there, taking those small steps together, climbing that mountain every day for me. Again, I changed my eating habits, changed my drinking habits. I don't drink nearly. I used to booze all the time. Like, I was a pretty aggressive drinker, maybe not weekends for sure. Anytime I went away, I was like Frank the Tank. Yeah, I went on to drafts and live finals. I was probably the drunkest of anybody. I drink and drink and drink and I drink on the live streams. Remember that? I don't do that anymore. I not against booze. You saw me in Thirsty Trivia with Pilar Lastra. I, I, I drank by bourbon. No problem with that, but I don't do that because it's not good for me. It doesn't make me feel right. I drink water. I drink some coffee. I don't drink soda anymore. Not by any kind of design. I'm still getting fat. Soda didn't help me. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't have the energy to do what I used to do. You know, I used to chase the kids around and all this kind of stuff. I just don't have that. And I never will. And it's okay. It's okay. You know, it, it really is. And every day I'm here and able to talk to all of you. And every day I'm able to commiserate with you on social. And maybe those of you who listen that I do see you every once in a while in person, granted not during the pandemic, but you know, those are thankful days. Those are good days. Those are positive days. 
I don't know how many I'll get. I don't know f- how many you'll get. We just mentioned Rob Povey at the start of the show. You know, his brother-in-law had no idea. We don't know. That, that not knowing is amazing. So stop. Don't put off being that great person. I'll be nicer this time. I'll be better to my wife or girlfriend, husband or boyfriend or friends. Your friends too. Check in with your friends. God damn it. Can you please just be, be a good friend? You know, we're all assholes on social media. Myself, I'm as guilty as anybody. Stop being an asshole all the time. Stop having to disagree. Stop having to one-up everybody. Fuck is going on with that, right? Stop with all that. Just be a better person. Take care of each other. Pick each other up. If you have, you've been getting all your stimulus checks and all that shit, wonderful, outstanding. Give 20 bucks to somebody who's been through terrible time. You could afford it, right? Do that. If you can't afford that, you know what? Chances are you work 40 hours a week, spend an hour. You know what else? You know, I learned what my dad, when he was uh, dying, when he was in the hospital, is uh, we're at the, the hospital. And the volunteers at the hospital are probably the most important people and most amazing people you'll ever meet in your life. Most of them. Some are assholes. <laughs> but People would just answer phones or, and, and people would be at doors. So when visitors, somebody would come in to see my dad or wanted to be there for our family, they'd point them in the right direction. And I, for years after that, I would go and volunteer. I'd sign up for hours, hour here, an hour there. I, would, I always was up at night, you know, so I would go overnights, midnight to 1 a.m. And when nobody else would volunteer, I'd just take some of those hours. I'd go and read a book or, um, you know, watch the, the TV in the lounge where the desk was. And I'd answer phone calls that came in. I'd point people in the right directions. Oh, you're going to day surgeries or surgeries over here, you know, emergency room over here. What's wrong here? You know, all that kind of stuff, you know, just volunteer, spend some, if we don't have the money, that's fine. You have time. If you don't have money or time, well, you, you have kind words. There are kind words in your heart, kind words in your brain, kind words on your lips, use them. Tell the people that are important to you how important they are because you just don't fucking know. You will never know. You don't get a heads up. Oh, yeah, by the way, like you're going to expire on August 5th, 2025. So just like be ready. You're like, okay, cool. That's cool, bro. Like I'm going to do everything I wanted to do up until that. No, you don't know. It's one day you go into work and that's it. One day you get in the car. Six minutes later, that's it. Say goodbye to your relative, friend, family. That's it. You never know when it's going to happen. So there you go. I know a very disappointing podcast, I'm sure, on this one. I I think we're uh, at the hour mark right now or thereabouts. Um, I don't want to drag the conversation down any more than I have to. I hope you guys get something from this. I recognize this audience. A lot of you are very you know, young or there's a lot of aggressiveness. My vaccine, I got the uh, first dose of my vaccine this past week. And I know a lot of you guys are either Trump supporters or QAnon people, some of you or whatever. And listen to me. I don't, I don't care. Like it's, it's cool. Whatever. Be, if you, something's important to you, it's important to me. 
right? If you're a listener of mine or follower of mine or whatever, then that's important stuff, right? But on the other side, don't tell everybody how to live their life. You do it. You do it. Do it. I don't push, oh, you have to drink 128 ounces of water. You have to have a proper amount of fiber, eat these veggies. I don't do that shit. But ever since 2017, ever since my intestinal cancer um, and that, that sarcoma that I had uh, taken out and the treatments, I, I live a much better life. I mean, with that, but I don't push it on anybody else. Do what you want to do. Do what's in your heart. Do what you feel. You don't need to force other people into your ways, right? Help them. If, some, if I come to you and say, hey, what's this all about? What's this uh, conspiracy stuff? And you say, oh, well, here's what I think. And I say, and, and that, all that, because the only people that are anti-vaccine are the people that have a political agenda. Don't push your political agenda on people, right? Just don't do it. It's the time has passed and you guys are very rude. A lot of you in the uh, vaccine thing and you, you bitch and you, you uh, uh, you're going to get your sheep or whatever. No, I'm just going to take medicine. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, awesome. Um, I'm not scared. They're not overloading my body with other bullshit. If I get cancer, uh, again, it will not be because I took a goddamn vaccine, you fucking morons. Sorry, but uh, it's not. Stop blaming them. Everybody's life is going to have problems. It's not because you once ate a, a Whopper from Burger King. You know what I mean? That's not why you have bad you know, heart disease or kidney ailment or liver disorder or something. That's not why something bad happens to you. Stop blaming random shit, right? If you want better if you want to live better you want to be healthier if you want anything then take the steps do you want a job do you want a relationship whatever it is take the steps bite your tongue be the bigger person and march toward it take a baby step at a time don't be afraid of it go out and seize what you want get what you want be who you want to be all right and if that's anti-vaccine or something wonderful you have that right. You have that choice. But somebody else wants to get it. Somebody else has been through it. Shut the fuck up. It's not your place. It's not your place. It's not your business. Right? It's just not. So, you know, that, that I'll leave it at that. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You don't know what the fuck anybody's been through. Um, and you should be better bottom line all right folks that's gonna do it for this episode of one man's opinion i know it's a, a, the most depressing episode ever next week we're gonna be back we have a full nfl threat or nfl uh, free agency recap and our major league baseball predictions fantasy baseball daily fantasy baseball tips trips strategies we'll start talking about some dfs baseball we'll talk about our predictions for this coming baseball season some uh, movers and shakers of fantasy football in um the latest rankings are posted up there at fantasyguru.com as well. So get over there and check that out uh, while you're there. All the NFL offseason stuff, NFL draft player profiles are out there as well. Appreciate you guys letting me do this episode today. Again, fuck cancer for life. And uh, hopefully if you guys have the means, or if you could say some good words to my guy, Rob Povia and his family, I have a GoFundMe posted at Jeff underscore man. So get over there and, uh, and, and check it out. 
and hopefully you guys could uh, make some donations and donate some money and if not some time and say some good words and just whatever it is just please help this family i uh i don't ask for much please help them out if you can all right that's going to do it for this episode folks you may disagree with some or all that you heard on today's episode folks that's perfectly all right i understand it why do i understand because it was just one man's opinion that's right we'll see you next time everybody do soon